very nice to be here uh, this morning uh, with you all. And uh, I've put my preaching shirt on, especially for you. So um, that's, very, uh, that's very pleasing for me. Um, I hope it's pleasing for you too. Uh, and um, yeah, I feel like this morning, it's been interesting. Sometimes when you prepare for something, uh, it all really flows and uh, you kind of, you're just really excited about that moment where you get to just share some of the treasure that God's been kind of helping you find as the preacher during the week. And I felt like that a few times, but I also this morning felt uh, there were just some moments where I was like, oh, actually, uh, maybe uh, there's just kind of this stuff going on for me, um, maybe for you, where there's also just that, that there's something that stops that flow or there's something that gets in the way. Um, And we all go through that, don't we? There are things that um, kind of, you know, stop us or um, kind of, yeah, like slow us down or just distract us. You know, it might be other people. It might be stuff that's deeply personal to us. Um, And I think I just wanted to kick off by acknowledging that. Like there will be stuff in your life, I, I know, that is just tough. And, um, and it's important to acknowledge that. I don't think I have any magic words for you this morning uh, that will help you uh, to suddenly solve your specific stuff. Uh, but I do think that Jesus has good news for us this morning. Whoever we are, whatever we're in, and uh, whatever the rest of the day brings. So let's get into good news. We are in this uh, series um, and, uh, well, we're not in this series. I'm kicking off this series. Although, but really, Philippa kicked it off last week, but she did like the soft start. So this is like the full start to a series. We're looking at the first kind of half of the book of Acts. And we are essentially following the life of the apostles. That's what we're going to be doing. Uh, and we are looking for the fruit of the Spirit. So we're going to look at a few different kind of encounters uh, that uh, the apostles have and that the early church have looking for the fruit of the Spirit. And we've learned this morning already the fruit of the Spirit is not a coconut, um, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, and we're going to be looking for those uh, things. And we, we kind of, really, we're on a journey We're on a journey which actually kind of like sits with the church calendar where we've come through the life of Jesus to the point of his death, his resurrection. And then the the disciples have waited. They waited in that upper room for the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down and fills them. And and then from there, as uh, kind of just before what Philippa was preaching on last week, uh, the the kind of... um, Peter preaches, there's an overflow of the, of the work of the Holy Spirit um, in these people, like in the disciples' lives. Uh, and then we have this amazing moment where um, we get this description that Philippa preached on last week as she was looking at giving of the fellowship of believers, the early church who had everything in common, who had this like radical life that they were living but not because that is the thing exactly that we should mimic, but because they had waited on the Spirit, and that is the way the Spirit bore fruit in their life as the early church. 
And certainly, uh, the message of the apostles, like the, the early church leaders, is that we should expect to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And we should, we should look for a filling of the Holy Spirit that we might live uh, in these ways, uh, full of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the markers uh, of, the life, of a life of the Spirit. And so today, uh, we are going to look at Acts 3, 1 to 10. I'm going to read that to us now. Um, and then we're going to look for those fruit of the Spirit and get into it here. So if you've got Bibles on your phones or whatever, please do follow it if that helps you. Um, I don't think we've got it on the screens today, uh, but, um, but please do uh, listen along and follow if you can. So Acts 3, 1 to 10. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So Peter and John... They arrive at uh, the temple, they're on their way to pray. You know, when you're uh, making space to pray in your life and you're going somewhere to pray, this might happen to you on your way to church. Often, uh, like there are uh, like God's incidences that happen. You meet people along the way, there's something that happens. A lot of Jesus's ministry uh, and the things that were happening for him happened whilst he was on his way to pray somewhere. somewhere. And the same for Peter and John. But they'd been on quite a journey. Actually, three years before this, they'd been on the side of a lake in a nowhere part uh, of the Middle East, uh, like fishing, doing very hard work, uh, grafting away. And in lots of ways, they were young enough that we know that they would have still been learning their craft, probably wondering if they were going to be as good as so-and-so, the father of whatever they're called. Um, and in that place of really not being uh, the, the, the first people or the ones who uh, were earning everything, but in the place of poverty on the margins. And in that place, a man came along and said, come, follow me. And they followed him. I mean, we could preach all about that because... 
what happens between those two words is an incredible thing. What happened in them to make them uh, decide to leave their nets and everything they had and follow Jesus in that moment, that uh, is incredible and worth all of the preaching until the kingdom comes and the new heavens and the new earth appear. But they follow him and they go on this incredible journey. Peter and John both and the other disciples go on this incredible journey. They see Jesus's life like no one else got to see it. They saw him at his highest and his lowest, laughing and weeping. They saw miracles happen. They saw him heal people who couldn't walk or who were blind. They saw him come alongside others who they thought they were never allowed to go near. He saw them provide miraculous food for when people were hungry and... As we know, uh, if we've been around church uh, for like, especially around SPS for any amount of time, we know that Jesus was in the business of making disciples. So they were going on this journey where they were also being shaped, challenged by Jesus to do the things that he was modeling to them. This is the way of discipleship. Follow me as I follow Jesus. And they saw the fruit of the Spirit. They saw it embodied and lived out in Jesus's life. I wonder if you could think of any examples. When were moments where Jesus was operating and showing evidence of the fruit of the Spirit? Jesus's fruit of peace calmed a storm. Jesus's gentleness meant that he worked and came alongside people who had been marginalized, the disciples even themselves, but many others, women, outcasts, foreigners, as it were. People that Jesus shouldn't have been in contact with, he he was. And here is Jesus exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. This is the Jesus who, even when he was faced with violence, was self-controlled enough to endure it for our sake. This is the Jesus who showed them what the fruit of the Spirit was. And so they had gone on this journey. For three years, they were on this journey and had gone through, like I described before, these heights of events through Jesus's death, resurrection, Pentecost, and now the early church. And here they were, suddenly, the ones who had been nobody in nowhere were the leaders of this movement of at least 3,000 people from day one. And they were walking to the temple. So there's your context for Peter and John. (laughs) And they were walking to the temple. It's not a simple walk to the temple when all of that has just gone on. But here they were walking. I'm so intrigued. I wonder what they were talking about. You know, were they like so kind of aware of all of that that they didn't really need to name it? So they were probably just talking about like, oh, what did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, yeah, well, I had a, a bit of fish, actually. Yeah, does that remind you of when we were fishermen? Oh, yeah, yeah, amazing. Uh, maybe it was something like that, as mundane as that. We all do that a lot, right? Especially the men. Um, we avoid the like naming of the big event. Uh, but uh, maybe they were needing to make themselves aware of what was going on. Can you believe what's happened? I mean, can you, can you believe that? Like, I just met this guy... Uh, and uh, Joshua, and he said he was there when you were preaching, 
And uh, he, he had never heard about Jesus before, but he was there because he's, you know, we were all there, the Jews. We were like, we were a gathering at Jerusalem. And he heard, and it was like a thunderbolt went through his heart. And then he was like, yeah, baptize me. I want to be baptized. And not only that, but he was there with his wife and his kids and his kids' kids, and they all got baptized. You know, maybe they were even drilling down to some of the detail of what the story uh, was, what stories were going on in those 3,000 people. Who knows what they were talking about? Now, I'm just going to pause that story there. Let's just go back 40 years. And uh, there was a boy who was born 40 years before this date. When he was born, uh, there was uh, something wrong with his legs. And uh, he actually was never, he never developed properly and was never able to walk. And uh, he was Jewish But what that meant for him uh, was not just that he needed support uh, for the rest of his life so that he could live, uh, but it meant that actually he never got to do a lot of the other things that people his age could do. And I don't just mean like running and walking. I mean, he, he was kind of excluded from most of the big things that, were, that happened. Uh, because you see, if you uh, were lame or, or blind, um, Or if you had a skin disease, I have eczema. It would have been like, it would have sucked for me back then. Uh, but uh, you, you weren't allowed to go into the temple. And what that meant was that when there were points in your life where you would celebrate the access that you had to go close to the presence of God. The temple is always about the presence of God, by the way. That's just a, a hack for you there if you're reading the Old Testament. Um, it's always about getting close to the presence of God, he was never able to go there. He'd never been in the temple. Never been in the temple before, this guy. And now he was about 40, uh, and uh, a miracle that he was still alive, but he was tough. And he'd worked it so that friends would carry him each day to a place where he could get enough money so that he could live. And these friends, they probably took a cut of that money Uh, that he was like asking for, but they would take him to the best place, which ironically was literally at the gate of the place that he'd never been able to go into. And he did this for years and he would get enough money and they would come and get him. He'd give them their cut and then he'd go and he'd eat and then he'd be back. And actually his story might have been much more complex than that, but I don't know fully But one day he was taken to the gate they called Beautiful and he was put down there in order to beg and these two guys rock up and he thinks, there's something about them, they've probably got money. So he, he asks them for money. And so we arrive at this point where John and Peter meet the man at the gate Beautiful. Peter and John, who had been in the temple before loads of times, they knew what it was to be an outsider in some ways, but they were also insiders in lots of ways. Not only that, but they'd had free access to Jesus of Nazareth. They'd experienced who he was in person. They'd seen the fruit of the Holy Spirit of God in him. And they had come to understand that he was the Son of God, the Messiah 
the one sent to save God's people. And so this man meets them and we have this incredible moment that happens. And uh, it says this, I, I just think it's, there's so much in here that we could go into, but Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I wonder for you, if you have been in situations where you have expected to get something or you've wanted to get something, uh, where you've turned your attention to something for some reason, whether that's a goal in your life or whether that's just like the narrative of a TV show uh, or whatever that might be. Uh, Carrie and I, we're watching This Is Us at the moment. I imagine there's quite a lot of people who've watched that. Anyway, it's like an emotional roller coaster. I don't know if I recommend it. It's like really, it's brilliant, but it's like emotional. And, um, uh, but whether it's like that, that you get hooked into, whether it's something to do with your family or whether it is for you something that is very uh, like physical that you deal with, that you walk with, whether you deal with pain on a daily basis, whether you uh, like do have some disability, whether it's seen or unseen, I wonder what it is uh, that you have, that you have, uh, that takes your attention. And I wonder what it means for you to expect to be given something for that. You know, when we go to a doctor, like we expect to get something that helps us with what we're going for. But with God, it sometimes isn't as straightforward as getting the thing that you want. But this is the truth from this scripture and for so much of uh, the uh, testimony of God is that God always has something bigger and better for you. God always has something bigger and better for you. And here we see with this man, as he meets Peter and John, that there is an explosion of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is this man who may have experienced in lots of ways parts of the fruit of the Spirit. No doubt he was patient. He had waited for a long time and he'd probably given up hope. And maybe he never expected healing. But in this moment, something happens by the grace of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms him. What he didn't know he should have expected happened to him and he was healed. And we see this explosion and the best fruit of the Spirit that shows itself really vividly in all of this is joy. I'm not saying it's the best as in the best, but like the fruit of the Spirit that we can see most clearly in this is joy. Joy breaks forth. And then we have this mundane sentence, which can easily, uh, we can walk past so easily. Then he went with them into the temple courts. So this man gets healed, but then suddenly he has access to the presence of God in a way that he had never had before. He walks into the temple courts. And I think that, that here, Luke, as he's writing Acts, is almost making these two things an equal miracle. One is the miracle that he can walk, but the other is that he has access to the presence of God. Finally, he has access. 
And this is so often what happens for us is that we often want the material thing, the physical thing. I cannot explain to you uh, how much I would love to be healed from eczema, uh, but how that journey has continued to go up and down in my life. As a child, it stopped me from wanting access to God. I didn't pray or go to church for like years because of it. But then I had an encounter with God when I was 22 and suddenly the presence of God found me and I was just blown away. And it wasn't about my skin anymore. It was about letting God be present in my life. And weirdly, I've prayed for people before who've got eczema and they've been healed. And I have never been healed. And I still have to put cream on twice a day and battle with prescriptions and all of that kind of like stuff. Uh, and, it's a, and it's a minor thing physically in comparison to some of the things that you will have gone through or are going through. But nevertheless, we'd live in this, in this mixture of expectation when it comes to our physical and material needs. And yet God is also crying out to us, and this is what I really want you to hear today, that he has inner transformation, transformation that can only come by realizing that you have access to the presence of God. He wants that as much as he wants your physical like comfort and healing uh, and all of that stuff. But we live in the now and not yet, and there is a tension for us in all of that. In Isaiah 35, 6, a promise of like the coming uh, realities of God, it says uh, that he will strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, and say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. And then it goes on to say uh, that um, uh, the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. And this man who is healed experiences this, this explosion of joy in his life. He experiences the fulfillment of that. He he becomes somebody that we can look at to say, there will be a day when this won't be the reality, but there will be a new reality where there will be no more illness and no more tears and no more of this tension. He becomes a marker of that promise that, was, that we find time and time again in the Old Testament. Uh, also the promise that we can enter uh, the courts of God with thanksgiving, with joy in our hearts. And here's the thing that is just a kind of interesting bit as I come to finish and as we think about uh, and, and just make some space for whatever God wants to kind of continue to do in us that when you look at the uh, kind of archaeological evidence, and there are people far cleverer than me who've, who've done that, there really isn't, they can't find evidence of there being a beautiful gate at the temples, at the temple in Jerusalem. A, a gate called beautiful. There were loads of gates and they had lots of different names, but there's no evidence of there being a gate called beautiful. Now, this always makes me think when you find out something like that, well, that means that Luke who wrote it had something that he wanted us to find here. There's a treasure here that we all need to find together. And if you dig into that word, uh, the Hebrew word, I think the Greek is harayas, and uh, it means something beautiful belonging to the right time or season. It means, in short, 
timely encounter. It can also mean blooming, which is great, right, for the East End. It's, it's, it's the blooming gate. It's the blooming gate. Uh, and, uh, um, but this is like the gate beautiful, the blooming gate, the place of timely encounter. I cannot stand here and tell you when certain things in your life are going to get fulfilled, or even if they're the things that God is really calling you to. But I can stand here and say that there will be a day when those things uh, will be culminated in the life of Jesus, and that we have right now full access to the presence of God, and that in his presence we can experience the fruit of the Spirit, We might experience them in part, but God's heart is that we would experience them completely. You know, in John 15, it says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And God wants you to pursue the things that he is calling you to. And he wants to give you access to all of those things. Now these, like there might be things that you desire that actually aren't your calling and that's going to cause tension and maybe even confusion in your life. But God is calling you to his fullness. He has put his joy in you by the gift of the Holy Spirit and he wants it to be complete, to be overflowing. And this beautiful gate, this place of timely encounter, I believe that Luke is trying to tell us that we might find these places of encounter everywhere in our life. That it's not fixed to one geographical place in Jerusalem, that the presence of God is not just stuck in the temple anymore, but through Jesus Christ, it has broken into the world. And we might be people who experience that. Who experience that because God is ready for you to encounter him right now. So I want to tell you that you are standing at the gate beautiful right now. That God's like access for you personally to come into the presence of God, no matter what age you are, what, no matter what your journey has been up to that, this point in your life, no matter how complex that is or how confusing the future might look to you, that right now you are standing at the gate beautiful, the place of timely encounter, and God wants to say, come in. Come into my presence. And here's the amazing bit, that as you do that, you become a beautiful gate. You become somebody who can give other people access to the presence of God. I'm just going to finish on this. Uh, when, I was, uh, when I came back to faith uh, in my early 20s, um, a few years later, my, my best friend, who had also kind of run away from God, came back to faith as well. It was an incredible thing. And we went on this road trip to kind of like, you know, celebrate it. You know, I think that we were, there's a bit of Peter and John about us. We just needed time to be together and to walk and reflect and think about what God had done, which was miraculous and full of grace, so much that had to be washed and wiped and uh, cleaned and uh, corrected in my own life. And we went down to Devon, and I was born in Devon, so it was like a bit like kind of going home for me in some ways. And we were on this little road in North Devon uh, in my mate's mum's car, 
you know, a little kind of green Fiat thing. I mean, it was disgusting, really. But, you know, we were in classic, really, kind of car for a, a couple of 20-year-olds. And, um, and there was a guy uh, who was on this, uh, like, corner, and he was thumbing for a lift. And uh, I don't recommend that that's always the, this is always the right thing to do, but we totally felt that we could stop and really safely, like, offer him a ride somewhere. So we stopped and asked him, asked him what he wanted. <laughs> And he wanted a lift. He wanted a lift round to the kind of the bay where he lived, uh, the town nearby. And so he got in. And again, we were in this like very small Fiat green little car. And uh, so it was very intimate. Um, and he was, he, was stood in the, he was sat in the back, me and my mate in the front. And uh, we're driving along. And uh, I'm driving. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, I now need to set an example for my friend who's just come back to faith because I'm the one who's mature here, because uh, I've been, you know, I've been back to faith for like two years or what have you, following Jesus. Uh, I probably need to offer this guy prayer or look for like a God opportunity in this. And, this, and all of the time, like whilst this is going on, you know, we're just chatting to the guy and asking him how he is and like all of that stuff. Uh, so I'm there and then in my mind literally I've got that narrative going on where I was like yeah I should definitely do this right okay yeah just waiting for an opportunity oh no I don't want to do this no no this is like I definitely don't want to I probably it's probably not my responsibility to do this right now it's going to be my mate's responsibility no but he's the young Christian so really I should be doing this and welcome sometimes to the narrative that is in my internal dialogue thank you for those that sympathize with that um and uh so I'm there. Anyway, we, we, we go for like 20 minutes. We get to the, like, outside his house. Uh, and I realize that, like, it's now or never. And I'm still there. This dialogue going on in my head. And this fear, essentially. Uh, this fear that I am grappling with. I mean, why? I don't know. I still don't know to that point. But, like, you know, all of my own stuff stopping me from stepping into uh, what I clearly had sensed was a real God opportunity. Anyway, my mate, Nick, uh, of course, goes, is there anything we can pray for you? <laughs> like, as if it's the most normal thing in the world to offer this. And, uh, um, and this guy, as well, was just like, yeah, actually. <laughs> and I'm, I'm there. I'm like, ah, oh, this, <laughs> this is the most humbling thing. Uh, so anyway, this guy shares some stuff, and, um, and we just really simply pray for him. It wasn't like anything kind of crazy profound. It was just something really simple. Uh, but he, he was so open and so wanted prayer, as most people are. Um, and, uh, and we were able to pray for him. And, uh, and I still remember sitting there in the, in the horror, like little green Fiat. Uh, and this guy was there. And he was like a hard, hard guy, North Devon guy, cut by the, the sea in the sand, you know. And... Uh, uh, and he just had these like tears streaming down his face. Not a Christian. I'm not religious, but yeah, you can pray for me, you know. That guy was expecting to just get a lift home. And he encountered the Holy Spirit. And there was joy. He walked away out of that little car, uh, happy. Uh, you know, with joy on him. And I realize uh, now that so often, that's more like what those situations look like. You know, I know there are like brilliant speakers who get like, you know, way, like loads of hits on YouTube and they've got all these amazing stories. And that is an amazing story. But, you know, it, it is full of fear and hesitation. 
and Britishness, all of that stuff that I, you know, carry and am grappling with in my, in my own walk. Uh, but yet God is there and wants to use even me as a beautiful gate for other people. So we're going to have a time of prayer together uh, and worship. We're going to push in a bit because we can do that today. Um, and I want to just remind you in that, uh, that, that th- we are at a beautiful gate now. This is a timely moment for you to encounter and step deeper into the presence of God. That there is fruit of the Spirit that you may be experiencing, but you, actually God's heart is that that would be complete. And certainly today, like joy is really key. If there is stuff that inhibits joy in your life, uh, I'm, I'm not suggesting that that can be sorted out in just a moment, but the presence of God can give you peace, can hold that with you, can take you into that journey uh, where that might be complete. And he wants to fill you so that you can be a beautiful gate for other people where they might encounter the access that God has for them to come into his presence.